We spent a lot of time discussing and celebrating the arts today because we learned yesterday that the Royal Winnipeg Ballet has posted a half million dollar plus deficit, and last week we learned the WSO posted an over one million dollar deficit. We need our arts to thrive. Also today, solar eclipse happening on Saturday. We checked in with Scott Young from the Manitoba Museum on how to take in this event. And Terry Fader is coming to Winnipeg. The world-famous ventriloquist is going to be playing a couple of shows at Club Region Event Center in November. So he joined us to tee up that show. And maybe we even got to visit with one of his friends. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. Who is off today? We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, October 12th podcast for The Start. We learned yesterday that the, the Royal Winnipeg Ballet posted uh, an over $500,000 deficit. And that news comes in the heels of the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra posting a million dollar plus deficit last week Uh, so that just got us thinking about the arts and what they mean to this community and what they mean to you so right now for a chance to win tickets to either a christmas rock story or for witchy wonderland we want to know like we want to celebrate the arts with you do you have a favorite art have you ever been to a performance of some sort that that blew you away or surprised you at how much you enjoyed it like for me, when I first went to the ballet, I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it. Uh, I've, or have you ever been to an art gallery? I haven't. I don't know why. Is there an art you would like to see or try? 204-780-6868. Cam Poitras, let's start with you. Um, I was always uh, you know, of the opinion that you know musicals were lame. Oh, they're stupid. Oh, people don't. This is basically Jim Toth's opinion of it, which is totally wrong. <laughs> I've talked about him on the show many times. Jim, if you're listening, you're totally wrong about this. Oh, you know, people don't talk. Oh, people don't just break into song. And I <laughs> held this entire opinion. And then I went and saw uh, my mom got tickets. I went with my cousin Shay and my and my brothers. And we went and saw Phantom of the Opera, Andrew uh, Lloyd Webber. Um, and I was blown away. I didn't want it to end. I absolutely loved it. I gained an appreciation for um, for the whole thing, um, the the talent it takes to to be able to do that on stage, night in, night out, to be able to sing like that, to be able to act like that, to be able to uh, go through the motions and 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 the movements. Um, uh, and and also being able to you know understand that this is an art form. Yeah, of course people don't break into song like that, but you have to it's sus- you have to suspend your belief and believe in like the the fantasy of it. You know what I mean? The art of it. Um, it's it's about you know it's about you know that's a a, a big part of it. And I I absolutely love musicals. I, I got really into Hamilton. Still really into Hamilton. Um, you know Jesus Christ Superstar. I've talked about that a bunch of times. That's a that's a big big uh, big piece of my childhood. That kind of maybe set the stage for it. For, with my dad, I always played that record over and over and over and over again. And you know, uh, the Book of Mormon, um, all this all this stuff. That's so, coming back to Winnipeg, by the way. The Book of Mormon. I know, I know. I'm 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 excited for that too. So yeah, love musicals. It's coming back in January. Uh, by the way, if you're interested, yeah, that that's uh, the first when it last time it came through here. I don't know how many years ago now, four or five years ago. Super. Super fun, and uh, I can't really believe what they got away with, what they get away wow. with in that show. It's those two, uh, Matt, Tra- uh, Matt Parker and uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, they just they just get 
you know, they got carte blanche. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Sarah McCarthy, what about you? I kind of have a hodgepodge of list of things I've done since being in Winnipeg. And uh, ever since moving here, I've loved going to Rainbow Stage every summer when I can. This past summer was a busy one, so I didn't make it out. But I saw the hockey sweater last summer, and it was amazing. The kids are so talented every single year. All these young, talented minds we have in Manitoba are really great to see. Um, This year, I'm really trying to go... I know the tickets get snapped up super quick around Christmas time, the Nutcracker, mm. Royal Winnipeg Ballet. So hopefully it's on like two, three days. I know tickets go fast. But yeah, I also just love one-off music events, like went to the Burt Block Party, Jazz Fest, and uh, we just have a lot to do. Here. Rent was no awesome shortage. at mm-hmm. Rainbow Stage this year. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've seen Nutcracker a couple of times. Uh, then mm. It's cool because every year they, they do something different. Mm-hmm. With it, uh, it's not just the like if you, you if you've seen it once, you haven't seen it a thousand times. Every year, there's something new, and uh, they I hope they continue that tradition where they yeah. bring in guest yes performers. Like wasn't was it Mark Shifley one yeah. of them on the rollerblades <laughs> there one year? Clay Young, okay. Clay Young has done it. Really? Yes. <laughs> which is I now about that. which yes. is one of Global News is Clay Young, which is now one of my dreams that I get eventually invited to it. So. I'd love to do it. Cool. Do it this year, then I'll go for sure. Psst. By the way, Winnipeg's, you know, LA, I'd like to do it. R-W-P. And I'm not big enough. There's no way. I'm, not, I'm no Clay Young. Campoitress openly lobbying for the yes. invite. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, Forte, what about you? Oh, there's the one time where I went and saw the Couch Potatoes with the uh, Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra doing the superhero what? themes. That was that was really cool. That I was, went too. Oh, were you, there, were you at the same? I thought, yeah, I think you were like, in my room or behind me or something like that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I remember seeing Jeff Braun on stage because he was nervous. And yeah. I saw him on stage and I had this stupid big smile on my face and he saw me and he started smiling. He had to look away because he was going to laugh. So, really? Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I, I enjoy musicals like uh, Cam said. I also went to Rainbow Stage this year and uh, I saw The Little Mermaid. They did such a great job. The the singing, uh, they're flying in the air. It was It was amazing. Uh, I also went and saw Jersey Boys in Chicago. That oh, was cool. yeah, that was a cool show. And uh, like I, I, I don't know how he sings. Uh, the guy who's playing Frankie Valley, I don't know how he gets that high pitch. Uh, anyone want to try? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Cam yeah, is the one who was singing. Like, uh, Sherry, uh, in, uh, Sherry. Yeah. I don't know. That's as high. I can't. That's as high as. Uh, who I was that? Who was that? Was, was that me. you, Forte? That was me. That was not that was bad. Pretty good, yeah. actually, bud. I'm not doing it again. Well, you should play us out with that song because it's a classic song. Is it Cherry you were trying to sing? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great song. What about you, Mackling? Oh, boy. You know, I grew up at Rainbow Stage. My my grandpa used to perform at Rainbow Stage before I was born, and uh, it was uh, a rite of passage, and sometimes it's like, ah, really, you got to do this? But by the time you got there, it was Mm -hmm. always such an incredible feeling. Brett, you and I have spoken so many times about the impact of the live music Mm -hmm. uh, and just how it just gets inside of you and the emotion that it brings. But I guess the one that that surprised me the most was I would have been in my 20s, and the woman I was dating at the time dragged me to see Don Giovanni, the Manitoba (laughs) Opera. Oh. And I was like, oh, really? This opera? Come on. And then she, then she told me the storyline. It's about this guy that basically sleeps his way across Spain and you know, All the blah, sudden, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, Mackling got a little interesting. interesting, to say the least. Anyway, I, I got into it to the point where I was singing along and very quietly making up words to the songs. And uh, it's not often that you start laughing in the middle of an opera, but uh, I brought some... <laughs> Comedic relief. 
to Don Giovanni, uh, you know, and so that sticks with me because I was not expecting not to not like it, mm-hmm. but I didn't anticipate falling in love with it. It was just outstanding. That's cool. That's cool. And that's, that's how it was for me at the ballet. The first time I went to see uh, the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, they were doing Moulin Rouge. And I had, oh. I just, I had this, I, I had this vision that it was just, you know, women in tutus, uh, no back step, no, no backdrop. And I've joked about this before, man, or not, it's not a joke. I am an uncultured lout. And, uh, when I, to, to see like a full stage production and costume changes and a, and a genuine storyline, uh, and just the, the, the incredible athleticism on display. These people are, oh, they're it, so fit. It's you, you, ridiculous. There's kind of like this perception that this stuff is like, it's like, it's sort of like beyond you. Like, oh, I wouldn't understand it or it's, it's beyond me or there's like a snobby element to it. Um, but once you kind of go to one of these, these events and you kind of sit there and you watch, I, I think you immediately gain a respect and understand just uh, why this is special and why people continue to go to things like this throughout for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, I was like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman when she goes to the opera, <laughs> right? Very like, yeah. oh, I'm not sure about this. And by the end, oh, woo, woo, yeah, woo. So, yeah. You're like, I, Kramer, I, like I Kramer. I dig it. You know, some people wear tuxes to the opera. I don't. Yeah, and Jen Forte mentioned as well that Jeff and I got to host the superhero showdown, and we got to host Star Wars versus Star Trek. How Winnipeg cool Super- is that? It was the best. It was like, the was honor that on of your, my even life. on your life bingo card no. of things that you could have imagined being on stage at the Centennial Concert Hall with the WSO. It like, was, shut up, McGarry. I spent. I had. I spent especially with the superhero show. I spent the whole show just fighting back tears because they're playing all these themes that are essentially the sound track of my geeky life it was amazing mackling and mcgarry mcnab is off today heads up that tomorrow because you just heard in sarah's newscast that new taylor swift movie comes out tomorrow so when we assemble the couch potatoes so to speak at 7 35 sarah's actually going to join us to tee up that movie because i figure rather than me Try to explain what the big deal is. Uh, well, let's talk to a super fan. All right. That. Swifty extraordinaire, Sarah McCarthy, making her debut on the couch potatoes tomorrow. Are you going to sleep tonight, Sarah? <laughs> oh, barely, barely. I'm so excited. Looking forward to it. And when are you seeing the film? Tomorrow, tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. At the VIP theater? At uh, McGilvery, yep. Oh, mm-hmm. Does that mean popcorn and perhaps a beverage? Perhaps. It's Friday after all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming up at 7.35, of course, it's Thursday, so we are going to do our small town salute. And at 8 o'clock, solar eclipse this weekend, how to take in that rusty red moon. Scott Young will join us from the Manitoba Museum for some exciting times. He's in Florida at the moment. I wonder if that he has strategically, whatever he, business he's conducting, I wonder if he has chosen his location based on this impending eclipse. I saw him... On his social media yesterday, a picture of a bunch of people uh, on a bus, I guess, like-minded scientists yeah. who are in Florida for the very same reason. So uh, it's always great to have an excuse to speak with Scott. Looking forward to to finding out uh, what all the hullabaloo is, is all about uh, for the weekend. Well, let's continue our discussion on the arts. 
Because we learned yesterday the Royal Winnipeg Ballet has outlined a deficit of $520,000. That news follows what we learned late last week about the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra reporting a $1.3 million deficit. Yeah, no secret here. Two of our f- most favorite organizations on this program. And yesterday on the news, Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham spoke to a couple of people on the state of the arts in our community. Royal Winnipeg Ballet Artistic Director and CEO Andre Lewis and Jolene Bally who is Artistic Director, Winnipeg Contemporary Dancers. First, let's hear from Andre Lewis. Well, it's very simple. Uh, The pandemic still uh, has effect on the organization as a whole, within our school and within the company. And uh, the lower attendance at performances, lower students' enrollments, uh, higher cost, inflation, all led to uh, that number. I do not believe it is our new normal. I I think we will rebound. It will take some rebuilding, and we've always felt that that would be the case. We had hoped, and we still hope, that uh, governments will step in to help uh, support uh, these incredible organizations that we have uh, in Winnipeg or in the prairies. It it seems that have uh, suffered more from this pandemic uh, issue. But no, we, we are confident that it will rebuild. We, we just perform a Snow White uh, to sold out audience. So I, I think it's moving back in the right direction. But there are other challenges, especially with inflation and uh, funding organizations that have remained at the same level for the last 20 years at the provincial, federal and municipal level. So it's, it's a challenge. Meanwhile, the Winnipeg Contemporary Dancers are about to open their 59th season, and Artistic Director Jolene Bailey tells Rich and Julie, things are indeed different now. Ticket sales have been coming back pretty well, not as, not as much as we'd like them to see, but I think, you know, it's all those things of comparing before COVID, after COVID. In some ways, it's just healthier to just accept that things are just really different now. We have different needs. Inflation, I think, has just caught everybody managing budgets off like a little bit off guard because we didn't expect it to be so extreme and as you know Andre just said that you know the arts funding has remained the same yet our costs for every single thing we need to operate and exist has gone up I think it's important to like get back to why we need arts like the arts have been with us since humans have existed. We've needed these creative outlets. We've needed these creative experiences. You know, when people come to an arts experience and are moved from arts, moved by arts, it is like, uh, it's something for themselves as well. It enriches their own human experience. It enriches their own like investment of themselves and a deeper understanding of the world and their point of view. If you want to hear the full segment, it aired yesterday at 3.35 p.m. You can find it in the audio vault at cjob.com. But just to echo her last sentiment there, uh, that's one one of the many things I take away, whether it's the WSO or whether it's the RWB or whether it's a piece of visual art. It's For me, it's just the... It's the inspiration and that you get from seeing the talent that humanity is capable of and the, the things that human, the beauty that people can bring into the world. It, it's, we need that because there's so much garbage 
in the world. There's so much bad stuff. And to go and see a performance or look at a piece of art and just like I was walking down the street. Uh, I can't remember what street it was, but there was this big new piece of like steel art. Oh, Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. In front of the Fort Carey Hotel. Yes, that's it. It looks like a, like some sort of uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex uh Micro machine in like large scale, like it's impossible to describe. You have to see it. But when I saw it, I'm like, that's pretty, pretty flipping cool. Yeah. Right. And just, just alters your day a little bit. Yes. And I mentioned earlier that Jeff and I got to, to host the, uh, the superhero showdown. So to sit on a stage and he, like we, we got, we had the, uh, the, the privilege and honor of, sitting on a couch on the stage at the Centennial Concert Hall and to hear them play stuff like the theme song for the Avengers. Yeah, that might be a little dorky for some, but for me it was everything. And to get it to see some of the best at what they do on the planet, some of the best musicians in the world play this song live, uh, it was like a life-changing experience for me. We, since you and I have been working together, you and I have both applauded the RWB and the WSO in particular in how inclusive their performances have been and their their effort to broaden the types of shows that they bring to bring people in like you, like I, who would not normally put this on their list of things to do. And so I applaud that effort and I think they're doing wonderful things and to imagine life without the WSO or RWB in Winnipeg to me is absolutely impossible. They're synonymous with our city as the Jets and the Blue Bombers. Yep. And what they bring to life when you attend those attendances really is was encapsulated in those conversations. But the emotion and everything that comes with being in that concert hall or in the park, uh, our lives would be just much more less enjoyable without those those groups in our life so uh yeah just do yourself a favor and check it out if you can and don't forget as well we both had that mind-blowing experience at the uh the mtc MTC. come come from from, oh yeah so many tears shed on that day so yeah we could go on and on and on Mackling and McGarry McNabb's off today. We are asking you to celebrate the arts with us. Tell us a story about taking in the arts. What does Sandy have? This sounds really cool. Yeah, when I was in grade eight, we went on a trip to Ottawa. First of all, cool to begin with. We went to the National Gallery of Canada. I remember hearing the most beautiful music followed by sound to a room that sounded like it held a massive choir. In the room, however, was about 20 single speakers around the perimeter of the room with each speaker featuring a specific voice. Sandy then corrected herself in our text chat, said actually it was 40 speakers. I sat in the middle of the room with my eyes closed and cried because it was so beautiful. I'll never forget it. And then Sandy says the installation is still there or has returned. Janet Cardiff, 40 part Moté. Would that be what that would be, Brett? You uncultured sure. lout? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you speak French somewhat. Moté sounds about Moté, right. Moté, we're going to go with that. If you know differently, let us know. Uh, no. Also, Gary, 
with one that I had actually thought of this, and I. But I'm glad that you reminded me, Gary. Gary says my favorite art form, pro wrestling. <laughs> hey, it is. To argue with that. It, it, if you, you, you might not be a fan of it, but it's an art form. It's a unique art form, and, and I think it's the fact that it is such a unique art form that it continues to be around. Like when you think about what pro wrestling is, I often wonder how is this still a thing that we consume. But there it is. It's because the people who do it do it well, and it's entertaining, and it's big and loud, and it's it, it continues to be. Continues to thrive. Young and Restless has been on TV for 50 years. A lot of similarities. <laughs> That's fair. It's a soap opera. 204-780-6868. Let's celebrate the arts for a chance to win passes for a Christmas rock story or Witchy Wonderland. The winners shall be selected at 915. In the meantime, producer Jeff Forte, what time is it? It is time <laughs> for this. <laughs> oh, Tim. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that one's going in the vault. <laughs> Small town salute. This morning, we want to take you away from the bright lights of the big city. Let's travel east towards the White Shell and land in White Mouth, Manitoba. Yeah, our small town salute features an event taking place which will feature dinner, poetry, and lively discussion at the Moongate Guesthouse. To introduce us to this gem of a spot, co-proprietor of the Moongate Guesthouse, Jenny Dupas. Jenny, good morning. Hi, good morning, Greg. Great to speak with you again. Uh, before we learn more about this event you have planned for Sunday, do you want to take us for a virtual tour of the Moongate Guesthouse? Sure, you bet. So um, Moongate Guesthouse, we're nestled right along the Whitemouth River. And so we're a five-bedroom guest house. And we also have a little off-grid roundhouse, Métis style, right down by the river. Um, so we host cultural events here. We um, do other events. We have a wood-fired pizza night uh, from June to September. And we're eco-friendly as much as possible. How does this all come together? How did, how did it come about, Jenny? Well, when my husband and I were living in Winnipeg, we were seeking a place where we could host uh, retreats and events um, you know, in a rural setting, plus our boys were young then. We wanted to have them experience a rural lifestyle. And so we found this spot uh, right along the river, and it was perfect for what we wanted to do. So what sort of experience can visitors expect if they come for, say, part of a day or, or perhaps a longer stay? So when visitors come here, we want them to disconnect. And what I mean by that is we want them to disconnect from their busy life, their technology, and, and really connect with the land, with um, the earth, with the river that flows past here, and, and really immerse in um, calming their mind, calming their soul. Um, so, and we can help guide people through that, or they can do it on their own. Tell us a little bit more about that, that ability to uh, guide us if we make a visit. I was on your website uh, last night and this morning, and a genuine peace and tranquility fell upon me as I was on your website, so I could only imagine what it's like to come for a visit. Nice. I'm so glad you got that feeling. Um, so when people come here, um, they have a choice. We can guide them through a cleansing ceremony. 
So we'll do that with them one-on-one or with a group of people. Um, It just depends who's coming. And then with that, um, we also host plant walks. Uh, so that really helps immerse people into the land. Um, and then we host events uh, through the winter, um, like the Explore Like a Voyager experience. Um, and so that, again, is also helping to immerse people in the land. So what's happening on the 15th? So on the 15th, we are hosting a poetry reading with a fellow named Ulrich Went, and he's also from here, we're all on Treaty 3, and he is going to be doing a poetry reading. And so when he approached me um, a few months ago, he was looking for a location to host his uh, poetry reading, and he looked around the guest house, and he said, this will do. <laughs> so it's like, here we are. We're hosting it on Sunday at 7 o'clock. Uh, doors open at 6.30, so... Um, we will have refreshments available, and uh, Ulrich will be reading from his his book called Wolves on the Road. What drew you to that part of Manitoba? You're not from there originally, are you, Jenny? No, actually we're not. Um, what drew me was I used to come out to this area a lot, and I would visit the petroform sites in the White Shell. Um, so that... that um, is a really special place. And ironically, uh, Ulrich has a poem in his book called Petroforms. And so that really resonated with me. So it seems to be all culminating, right? But yeah, the energy out here is just beautiful. Um, yeah, it, it just feels good. We've been talking this morning about the arts and celebrating the arts and poetry, of course, is an art form. And I understand that his poetry uh, is largely rooted in his uh, post-World War II refugee experience. But in terms of, of taking in a form of art like that in your setting, that seems like a, a really uh, healthy combination for to calm the mind. Yeah, I would agree because, um, like, city life is wonderful. There's a lot of beautiful culture there. Um, but when you experience it in a rural setting, there's something different about it, right? Because the people are all, you know, mostly from the country out here. Um, but we would love to have city people come and visit and enjoy the poetry reading night with us um, because we're going to have some lively discussion after and we'll have different perspectives if if uh, we uh, had some of those urban folks come out and visit. Love it. How do we connect and how do we secure a, a spot in, in said lively conversation and, <laughs> and reflection? Sure. Actually, people can email me at moongateguesthouse at gmail.com or you're welcome to go to our website. The event is shown on there with more details. So our website is moongateguesthouse.ca um, and, of course, on Facebook and Instagram, people can find us. Jenny Dupas, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate this. Uh, lovely to meet you. You too, Greg. Take care. Jenny Dupas joining us live on CJOB. Once again, the website, moongateguesthouse.ca. And just and there, there is more information on the poetry reading right there on the homepage. And uh, the, the Ulrich Went is a post-World War II refugee from Europe. His groupings of poems reflect 
that early experience and his wild garden home in Treaty 3 territory in southeastern Manitoba. And the poems speak of realism, a sense of place, social justice, and the wild. And I mention that because I, I think if you want to take in poetry, uh, I think poetry is cool, but knowing a little bit about the the author, the poet, helps to... To feed, because a lot of the, a lot of the times their body of work is similar, or there are similar themes. But if you're like me, as the aforementioned uncultured lout, and you don't know anything about poetry, <laughs> you might read read it and go, "I don't know what's happening here." But once you understand a little bit about what that person is about, then it might start to make more sense well, and have deeper meaning. Yeah. Well, and how about taking it to another level and being in the room with the author? Yeah. And to be able to to discuss it, and then in that sort of tranquil. That uh, lack of busyness <laughs> for yeah. a really bad terminology for you just to be in nature and to to be with the author and to have that discussion would be uh, tremendously special. And she's right about that. You know, you get you get out of the city. You get uh, Lorenz mentioned this in the past too. You get to a certain spot and you just you breathe in that. You just it hits you immediately. Like the air is just different. Like oh yeah, that doesn't that smells like relaxation. That saying, a change is as good as a rest, holds up a lot of times. And especially in Manitoba, within an hour, the different types of environments and, and physical features of the landscape that we can experience, that change uh, can be a couple hours, three hours, or a few days. And yeah, it, it's sort of magical. MoongateGuestHouse.ca, located in Whitemouth, Manitoba. It is Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today as we continue to look at what is happening with the Israel and Gaza situation. One of the big questions a lot of people are asking, Greg, is how? How did this happen? Yeah, Israeli intelligence services are widely recognized as one of the most advanced in the world. Yet, Hamas caught Israel's government off guard with a brutal surprise terrorist attack which killed hundreds. Global's Redmond Shannon looks at what went wrong for Israel and why they failed to stop the assault. The biggest failure for Israel was not anticipating this attack in advance. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has won many elections campaigning on a security-first platform, yet this happened on his watch. He has dismissed a news report that Egypt had repeatedly warned Israel that, quote, something big was coming. His biggest ally, the U.S., claims neither country knew what was about to happen. We did not see anything that suggested an attack of this type was going to unfold any more than the Israelis did. Israel's preparedness could not have been helped by the internal divisions this year over proposed judicial reforms. Hundreds of military reservists threatened not to serve if laws were passed. Israel does, however, have one of the world's most advanced intelligence services. But according to one Middle East analyst I spoke with, it may have been a victim of its own past successes. You know, there's seeing and then there's perceiving. There's dots and there's connecting the dots. And when I asked a senior Israeli military source what happened uh, the day after the attack, he used the Hebrew word for light anesthesia, a kind of twilight sleep. Um, they just were sort of lulled. The second failure for Israel was its poor response on the day, an attack that started at 6.30 a.m. on a Jewish holiday with thousands of missiles fired from Gaza. 
The militant wing of Hamas has since released video apparently showing how they disabled automated machine gun towers and, crucially, communication towers, delaying Israel's response. More footage appears to show how they trained fighters to fly over border walls and to tear them down, helping vehicles to pass through. Militants also attempted an attack using boats. Those methods allowed around 1,500 militants to get into Israel to start their killing and kidnapping spree at military bases, towns, Israeli agricultural communes known as kibbutzim and this supernova music festival. It was around 10.30 a.m., four hours after the attack began, before Israel's air force began bombing Gaza. This is the extremist D-Day, land, sea and air. They were able to compartmentalize and coordinate in a way that was unexpected and surprise, um, you know, surprise was, was to their advantage. Donna, currently the number of Israelis known to have been killed is more than 1,200. The Israeli Defense Forces have publicly accepted that there were serious intelligence failures, but an investigation will likely only happen after Israel deems that this war against Hamas has been won. That, of course, Global's Redmond Shannon and the Donna. Redmond refers to as, of course, Donna Friesen, anchor of Global News National. All the latest at the top and the bottom of the hour here on 680 CJOB with Global News and, of course, online at globalnews.ca. And, Brett, in our final hour of our show, just after 9 o'clock, we hope to be speaking with the folks from Save the Children, of course, Caught in the middle of all this, children in Israel, children in Gaza, the trauma experienced by our young people around the world right now. We'll find out how Save the Children is is doing what they need to do in order to, to limit uh, the impact on our youngest citizens. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today. Reminder, we're asking you to help us celebrate the arts. We're talking space in a moment, but Todd and St. B pointing something out cool that's happening right now at the Gas Station Theatre. That's at 445 River Avenue, basically at River and Osborne. Mm-hmm. And it says Monday to Friday from 10A to 4P. They've got the 2023 Flash Photo Event that's on until October 31st. So it's going to be pictures from local Winnipeggers on display, including some of his own and 52 other people. And uh, they're, yeah, that's at the gas station theater, corner of Osborne River, which is right down the street from where I live. So which maybe is I should check that out. Exactly what I was going to say to you, but I didn't need to point that out to you. And the news uh, from a couple of days ago, they're going to try that uh, scramble crossing at River and Osborne next year. So that's exciting stuff. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that'll be like an art installation on its own, I suspect. Yeah, that, that, the, the foot traffic at that intersection, I think, would certainly justify giving that a shot. So that's cool. Going to be a fun experiment. But right now, let's talk science. Because here's the headline at cjob.com. Ring of fire. Annular solar eclipse will be partially visible in Canada. As we like to do when we turn to the sky, we turn to Scott Young, manager of science communications and visitor experiences at the Manitoba Museum. He, he's not there. In fact, he's not even on this side of, of the U.S.-Canada border. Where are you, Scott? Yeah, I'm down in um, Cocoa Beach, Florida right now, uh, waiting for the launch of the Psyche asteroid mission, which was supposed to be in about an hour, but uh, there's tornado warnings all over Florida oh. right now, so they bumped till tomorrow. 
Great. So you have to yeah. extend your visit to Florida. Boo hoo. Wow. Wow. No. Well, but I have to. I have to be back on Saturday, no matter what, because that's when we have the Ring of Fire eclipse, and uh, I don't want to miss that from the event that I set up in Winnipeg, even okay. though it's visible from here in Florida. Okay, so whenever I hear solar eclipse, I'm taken back immediately. Probably you are as well, Scott, maybe to a lesser extent. But I always go back to February 26th, 1979, grade four, yeah. Valley View School, and the hype around that day and that total solar e- eclipse of the sun is something that I will never, ever forget. Oh, can yeah, you, can, that was, I mean, that that's uh, that's part of our, our history if you're of a certain vintage in this province. Certain age, exactly. That was the day I became an astronomer. February 26, 1979, 11.16 in the morning. Uh, my mom called me in sick because the school was going to keep us inside um, inside the gym and watch it on TV. Well, I stayed home and I watched it on TV at my house. But during the total phase, I got to open up the windows and I saw this amazing sight. And I just, I felt like, it was worlds aligning, and I, I figured this is what I'm going to do. And so, literally, that moment was when I became an astronomer at, you know, the age of nine. At nine years old, how, what means did you employ to safely look at it? Well, um, during this, during a total solar eclipse, there's those two minutes or so where the sun is completely covered up, where it's safe to look at with the eye. The partial phases before and after, where the moon is only covering part of the sun, you need special protection, and we didn't have anything. Uh, at the time, I think uh, it was like KFC or someone was giving away eclipse glasses back then, but uh, we didn't get any. And so we, we just had to watch that on TV. And this eclipse coming up Saturday, um, for all of us in Manitoba, it's just the partial phase. So you do need to have um, eye protection to be able to watch it safely. But there's a few options for that. Well, what are those options, Scott? I, I, I sort of remember, but uh, what are they? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 a lot of people turn to the Internet. You don't want to do that at this point because there's, a, a, unfortunately, a lot of unscrupulous folks that are selling uh, unsafe solar filters. It just looks like um, silvery mylar material that you get in a helium balloon, but that's not what the material is. There's basically, there's a set of um, cardboard glasses with this silvery stuff in it. The museum uh, shop has them for $3 a pair. And then if you don't get a pair of those, because they tend to sell out um, usually the day before the eclipse or, or whatever, um, there will be some available at the uh, eclipse viewing party at Assiniboine Park. We're going to be down by the LEAF, the, the planetarium and the uh, local astronomy club, the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada, Winnipeg Centre, are going to have special solar telescopes uh, and eclipse glasses and things like that available for people to just come down and watch the eclipse with us. And so as long as it's clear... We'll see it live from uh, Assiniboine Park. If it's cloudy, we'll still see it. We'll just watch it from another site online, and we'll be able to show people the uh, the view there. Now, Scott, I remember you brought in some of those glasses for us several years ago now as we were waiting for an eclipse. And uh, it, they're, they're super cool because it, it, it essentially blacks everything out, but then there in, in amidst the darkness was the eclipse. And uh, I remember I just stood there in total awe. Yeah, those, uh, basically the only thing you should be able to see through an eclipse filter is the sun. Everything else should be completely blocked out. So if you have some that uh, you can see other things with, um, and obviously things like sunglasses or things like that are not sufficient. We even, every year there's new urban legends of, oh, you can use, it used to be um, old photographic film. People have now said you can use all those DVDs that you've got at home. No, you can't use any of that. None of that is safe. 
you need these uh, solar filters. And I mean, it's your eyesight that we're talking about. So it's, you know, is it worth saving a couple bucks just to permanently damage your eyes? Because the sun is really bright and it will fry your eyes if you look at it too long. So uh, something else that's been marveling us, something else bright in the sky, not only has the moon been spectacular in its different phases over the last several days, but also Jupiter? Or is it Venus? Well, it depends on when you get up. In the evening, Jupiter is coming up in the east, and it's basically visible all night. And it is the brightest thing in the sky other than the moon and the sun, of course. Uh, And it's at its brightest point right now. It's sort of at its... It's closest to Earth for the year for the next month or so. And um, it is really, really spectacular. Um, Up close, if you have uh, just an ordinary household pair of binoculars, you can see that um, Jupiter has little dots lined up on either side of it. You can see the moons of Jupiter with just ordinary binoculars. Um, And then if you get up in the morning, and I I mean, nowadays with the the sunset or sunrise happening so late, it's, it's not hard to get up before the sun. Um, Venus is coming up in the east, and that is even brighter than Jupiter. Uh, it, it looks unnaturally bright. It looks like a, well, we get a lot of UFO calls or what's that light in the sky kind of thing because it just doesn't look like a normal object to people that aren't familiar with it. And it's also at a very, very bright point right now. And it's also visible during a lot of people's morning commutes, so that always tends to increase the, the visibility of it. So if you're, if you're up in the morning, it's just starting to get dark or just starting to get bright. You've got this bright thing off in the east, that's Venus. You can see all this stuff just with your eyes. So, Well, Scott, uh, before we let you go, and i, I got to make this quick because we're out of time, but uh, you mentioned Cocoa Beach and rockets in 1989, I think. My family was on vacation at, at Cocoa Beach, and I think for I don't know how many days in a row, we waited out on the beach to watch this rocket launch from across the water and uh, never launched. They called it every night. And, of course, the day we left is when the rocket launched. So yeah, uh, I've always I've been bummed about that. So. Yeah, well, hopefully there might be a launch tonight and a launch tomorrow, so I might get two for one this time. We'll see how it goes. Scott Young, thank you very much, sir. Always a pleasure to speak with Scott Young, the manager of science communications and visitor experiences at the Manitoba Museum. We uh, had a conversation last half hour with Scott Young from the Manitoba Museum about this partial eclipse. It'll be partial for us. The Ring of Fire eclipse on Saturday. And if you want to know what time it starts, it looks like it's starting between 1022 and 1028, uh, depending where you look. And it ends around 1 p.m. if you want to check that out. And again, a reminder that uh, you don't want to... Look at it unless you've got those special glasses. And he says you can get them at the museum for three bucks. So, and trust me, they work. I can't believe how you really could not see anything but the sun. Did you get to see that? You remember that? No. <laughs> I was going to ask you to remind me. When was that? I, I, we're going back seven, eight years. Okay. I think it's been, because we were still at Polo Park. Okay. It might have been when I was doing the uh, the all-news drive. So that far back. That so yeah, I don't even remember the last. Of course, as I mentioned, February 26th, 1979. I remember like it was yesterday, but uh, six, seven years ago, uh, that's a dart <laughs> at a calendar. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I could probably figure it out on the Googles, or maybe someone knows uh, approximately when that happened in Winnipeg. Also, before we, we want to replay, uh, uh, in case you missed it earlier, Marnie Blunt has put together an amazing piece. Uh, well, we're going to share that for you in a moment. But 
We're asking you about the arts. We're celebrating the arts today after we learned yesterday that Royal Winnipeg Ballet posted a, an over a half a million dollar deficit. The WSO last week, over a million dollar deficit. So we're celebrating the arts. We're asking you to tell us about the art forms you love. And Rui weighing in at 204-780-6868 with a rather unique one. I love to build computers and make them look amazing, colorful, spectacular, breathtaking. The very first sight of the visual aspect of everything that comes together and it makes it look like a piece of art. And if you go to his website, nothingbuttech.ca, you'll see what I mean. And he's right. I always, anytime you get like a computer that has one of those glass casings and then it's all uh, pimped up in the inside, you want to pimp my ride, pimp my computer. And yeah, it looks so cool. It oh, looks so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. It, it draws you in. It's unmistakable that that somebody who's really into computing lives there. My brother's got one like that, and it's uh, ultra awesome. And the other one piece of technology that I love, I want for my house, is the Samsung television they call The Frame. It looks like a piece of art. When you're not watching television, you can put on a variety of different art pieces, even your own. And it looks like a matte finish or watercolor finish. You would never know unless you knew that it was a 55 or a 58 or 43-inch television. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a good reminder. So 204-780-6868. Let's celebrate the arts together for a chance to win Two tickets for A Christmas Rock Story coming to Canada Life Centre in December. By the way, there is a pre-sale on that right now at Ticketmaster. The code is CJOB. Tickets will go on sale fully tomorrow morning at 10. We also have tickets to give away for Witchy Wonderland at Red River Exhibition Park. So we're going to pick our winners at 9.15 based on your stories. In the meantime, as mentioned, for those who may have missed it earlier, Greg, uh, we want to re we want to bring this to you again. A uh, wonderful story from Marnie Blunt. Yeah, it's a Winnipeg woman who was formerly incarcerated. She's sharing her story of redemption in hopes of helping others living a life of crime get on the right path and to find their way out. Global News reporter, as you mentioned, Marnie Blunt, has this story. Each step forward is a step closer to healing for Tanya Ross. My life story, what I've been through, I have to share it now. And that story is one of hope, forgiveness and second chances. The 43-year-old, originally from Opasquiak First Nation in northern Manitoba, grew up in Winnipeg's North End. Her journey is a long one. I got convicted of second-degree murder in Saskatoon. It was gang-related. I spent, um, I did 20 years in prison, and I was heavily, heavily, heavily involved with the gang lifestyle. A life that at one time she had accepted as her fate. I wasn't trying to change to get out of prison because I already accepted that I was going to die in prison. I had no hope. But the pivotal moment came when Ross turned 30 years old in prison. The first step away from gang life came through connecting with an elder working with inmates and reconnecting and learning about her culture, spirituality and her childhood trauma. Then the load, she says, started to get lighter. I didn't know um, I blamed my mother till I was 30. Like, and I didn't understand that she was a, a residential school survivor. And then I didn't know the story of how her and my uncles and aunties got scooped up by the Indian agent. Once I, I learned that story, um, I was able to forgive 
myself. I started forgiving myself. I forgave my mom. That forgiveness was the beginning of Ross's path forward, one that would take her out of prison and give her a second lease on life. Ross went to a minimum halfway house and received day parole. She then returned to Manitoba. She now works as a motivational speaker and manages a healing lodge working with high-risk youth. She also spends time in the city's north end, giving back to the community in a place where she experienced her childhood trauma. What, what I take from it is like, how would little Tanya want to be treated in CFS? When I was in CFS, how can I be a trusted adult for these kids to not make the same mistake that you don't have to go to prison for 20 years to turn your life around, man? I understand where you're coming from. I understand that it's lonely and you want to be with your family. I understand that, you know, you want to go do drugs or um, drink alcohol to numb the pain. I understand that. Talk to me. A hope that finding healing, forgiveness and a second chance is always within reach. Marnie Blunt, Global News. And you'll be able to see the full story this evening on Global Winnipeg at uh, 6 p.m. And you can read uh, more on this story at cjob.com or globalnews.ca. Just incredible work from Marnie Blunt. Incredibly inspirational story about getting that second chance. It's Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. We're asking you to help us celebrate the arts because of the news that the RWB posted a half million dollar plus deficit. The WSO posted a million dollar plus deficit. So, you know, we're just saying, hey, we got to celebrate the arts that make our community so great. Gary J with a different perspective saying my favorite ancient art form that I practice daily is the art of procrastination. All right. <laughs> I like how every com- no matter what, what the conversation, someone always manages yep. to take it in just a slightly different direction, and we appreciate it. Thank you for the laugh, Gary. I'll think about that text later on. Mark's, <laughs> ooh, uh, this is interesting for Mark, one of our run- runners up. I recently saw Afterlight at the CCFM, a rom-com vampire musical that was top-notch and entertaining. It was my first experience in musical theater in a long time, and my wife and I planned to seek out more of this kind of a show because it was too much fun. I think we sometimes have an overabundance, yeah, like a, an embarrassment of riches when it comes to arts in our community. I think that sometimes uh, creates that battle for that uh, finite uh, you know, ex- expenditure in our budget, right? So... Uh, we are going to look next to this. We had a tough time, of course, uh, as always. always. Uh, our runner-up today <laughs> is Catherine McCauley with quite the tale to tell. Yeah, I mentioned the fact that I fell in love with the opera uh, seeing Don Giovanni. Well, Catherine, I also fell in love with the opera after seeing most of Don Giovanni. Never got to see the end as an IRA bomb that was bomb threat that was called into the theater we were in london in the early 1990s never got a chance to go when they performed it here a few years ago fell in love with the ballet when i saw rwb's dracula mike what an experience yeah that's crazy to be to have to be pulled out of <laughs> this show due to a bomb threat but at least you got to see some of it and i would also add that uh, that dracula show that the rwb put on was really neat it was cool. Um, but our winner today is Kent Ulrich, who says, The arts are a critical part of the identity of our city. We have been fortunate to have a ballet, opera, and symphony, and need to keep them. 
The music scene in Winnipeg is spectacular, from the Guess Who, Neil Young, Crash Test Dummies, to Begonia and William Prince and many others. For my family, we would take vacations to New York City to see musicals and plays. We've seen Jerry Lewis and Harvey Corman in Damn Yankees, Henry Winkler and John Ritter in A Dinner Party, Donny Osmond as Gaston, and now my kids go there on their own. Not to mention Keanu Reeves as Hamlet and Judd Hirsch in Death of a Salesman at MTC. We are a better society because of the arts. Our geography, we sometimes make fun of ourselves being so isolated, but it has its benefit. That's why we have a lot of people believe these incredible art scene, this incredible art um, art gallery, the MTC, the WSO, the RWB, because everything else is too far away. So it wasn't easy to see it. So we had to make it here. So our isolation was our friend in, in, in that from that point of view. So pretty cool. That makes perfect sense. So Kent, thank you for this and congratulations. You are a winner and Kent will pick whether or not he wants tickets for a Christmas rock story or witchy wonderland. And then Catherine will get the other prize. Let's get right into this because we got an exciting email yesterday to propose a guest who's coming to Winnipeg next month. And we jumped at the chance immediately to speak to this world famous entertainer. Have a listen to this. So what are we going to do today, Terry? I thought you could uh, be sting from the police. Oh, so I've got a British accent again. Yes, you do. I think I can do this. All right. Sing. I will. So as if singing like Sting isn't enough, try doing it without moving your lips. He is the winner of season two of America's Got Talent. He has been a mainstay in Las Vegas for well over a decade. And now he's bringing a new version of his Las Vegas show to Winnipeg. Terry Fader on the road again. Let's welcome to the start Terry Fader. Terry, good morning. Hello. It's so so great talking to you guys this morning. Well, we appreciate we we're excited to have you. We appreciate it. We know it's early where you are, so we appreciate that even more. Uh, Got to ask you the path to where you've ended up before you got on America's Got Talent, and I mean spectacular stuff, Terry. But what was your projected career path? Well, you know, I I, I went on America's Got Talent at the time. I was playing county fairs and and elementary schools. And so I went on America's Got Talent with the hopes that I could get on maybe one or two episodes, get more fans, and then raise my price at elementary schools. And I did not expect to win it. (laughs) And then I ended up winning. And because of winning that, I ended up getting a a residency in Las Vegas and been there for, I'll be coming up on 17 years in March, uh, in February, I mean, uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, What a surreal experience just kind of a whirlwind. It's really hard to imagine that it really happened, but it did. And so um, I've just been constantly honing my craft and continuing to do new things. And it was really funny because uh, um, a friend of mine knows Sting very well and sent Sting that video that you <laughs> that you just played. And uh, he was he was amazed. So I, I always love getting 
getting feedback from people when they when they hear that I'm doing an impression of them. Now, for years and years, the the TV networks have been spitting out these talent shows. And as you just illustrated, 17 years, I didn't even put do the math. I can't believe it's been that long. But, you know, very few of the winners of these shows go on to any sort of mainstream success. I watched your season of America's Got Talent, and I was thrilled when you won. So I'm curious to know, how does it feel to be one of the ones who really did hit it big? It's, it's amazing. Um, but you know, it was given some advice was given when I was on the show, the guy who created the blue man group, which who we all know, he gave a speech to us. There was maybe 250 of us in a room and we were auditioning in Las Vegas. And he said, if one of you in this room is going to win this. And of course, like I said, I didn't think I was going to be the one, but he said, if you're, if you want to be successful, the work starts after you win. It's not, that's not the completion of your career. That's when the work starts. And boy, was he right. It, I have never worked so hard as after I won America's Got Talent, but, and that's really the key is you have to continue to work. You have to continue to innovate and you have to continue to, to just uh, create new things that people are going to be fascinated with and want to uh, pay money to see. Terry, growing up, uh, Rich Little always, just blew me away his ability to do those incredible impersonations and then i'm old enough to remember the television show uh, a soap and uh, jay johnson was one of the featured uh, actors there and, and of course he was a ventriloquist but to combine the two in such an incredible fashion and what what gave you that idea to uh, double down i mean th- that's not one talent that that's multiple talents well i always could sing i you know it was just a natural gift and I could always do impressions, which was also a natural gift. I just kind of grew up being able to do these things. And it was only a few years before, a couple of years before America's Got Talent, that I had seen a singing impressionist in Las Vegas. And my dream had been since the mid-1980s that I wanted to be a Las Vegas headliner. And I saw a guy named Danny Gans who was an incredible singing impressionist. And, I, and I'm sitting watching him and I'm thinking, man, I can do all of the songs that he did. And, and, and I'm also a ventriloquist. So I thought, well, I don't want to be Danny Gans light. So why don't I just have my puppets do the impressions? I mean, that's really how quickly it happened. And so the next day I had a show at a fair, um, in Clark County, uh, Clark, the Clark County fair here in Nevada. And, and I thought, well, I'll just have one of my puppets do an impression of Garth Brooks. And so I did, and I saw people's jaws drop open. And so I knew that uh, I knew then that I was onto something. And the funny thing is, you know, I grew up like you with a huge fan of Jay Johnson, huge fan of Rich Little. And what a surreal life. I am now really good friends with both of those people. So I just never dreamed that I would be friends with somebody like Rich Little. You know, Rich and I uh, email regularly and I mean, I uh, text regularly and I, I, I talk to uh, to Jay Johnson on a, on a regular basis as well. So it's it's very weird to have gotten to a point where I'm friends with my heroes. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> that is so cool. Our guest is Terry Fader. He is the winner of America's Got Talent season two, world famous ventriloquist. Just one of the, I think, best success stories of pop culture in the last 20 years. And I'm curious, Terry, do people expect you to perform on command mm-hmm. when they find out what you do? I.e. like, hey, show me your party trick. Make me a balloon bicycle clown. <laughs> Wedding Crashers, one of my favorite movies. I um, yes, they actually do. And but here's here's the thing: is it? I love doing it. 
So, you know, if I'm at a party and somebody plays piano, I don't play piano, but if somebody does um, and somebody asks me to do something, I'm like, hey, can you play this? And, and I'll, I'm off. I, I love doing it. I, I love to do it. And um, so, in fact, we just got a call. My, my uh, wife and I just got a call from a cousin and said, we're getting married. Would you mind, um, if you can, can you come to the wedding and, uh, and sing it last? And I did. I, I actually sing like women, too. So I sang uh, Etta James. I sang it last at their wedding. We uh, flew up there and sang it last. <laughs> so it's very, very um, in- entertaining and fun for me, just as much fun for me when somebody tells this clown to make a bicycle. <laughs> in Winnipeg, Terry, we had this uh, gentleman by the name of Bob, Bob Schwartz. He was Uncle Bob to an entire generation, and and he had puppets. He had Archie Wood, he had Tammy Wood, Petite, Marvin the Mouse. And so I know from uh, from knowing him outside a little bit of his TV realm that people always wanted to know, have you got Archie with you? Can I see Archie? What's it like to be constantly, you know, traveling and being with your uh, colorful companions? And how many have you got in, in the stable, so to speak? Oh, my gosh. I've got like 40 that I actually own. And I've got... Um, and but usually in my show uh, there'll be seven or eight that that come with me and one of them always travels up up in, in the plane with me not under the plane uh, in case the luggage gets lost or something but uh, but yeah it's very um, interesting and people do uh, I'll tell you what the the number one question that people ask and it's so funny um, my wife is like uh, my wife Angie is like what what is the deal but people are always looking at her and saying does he ever use the uh, voices in the bedroom? But we get, she gets asked that question all the time. You have no idea. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> we, that, we were not expecting that, Terry. That's fantastic. <laughs> Do you have to buy a seat for your, for, for one of your, your puppets when you're on, when you travel with them? I don't, but I actually did. If you look up Drop Dead Diva, I did an appearance on a, a TV show called Drop Dead Diva, and I played a ventriloquist who would buy um, t- uh, airline tickets for his puppet, and they tried to cancel the you know over a million airline miles that I had you know for my puppet. But no, that was the only time that that happened was when I was playing a character in a t- in a television show. What, what do they say about conversations with yourself, Terry? Uh, when you start answering back, that's when you know you have an issue. Uh, you're having <laughs> conversations with yourself for a living. Uh, any concerns there, brother? Well, you know, when you get paid as much as I do, it, it, it's <laughs> not a problem. I'm able to pay the psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the show that you're bringing to Winnipeg next month. Oh, man. I, you know, I've been doing this uh, uh, professionally in Las Vegas for uh, coming up on 17 years. And I can honestly say this is the best show I have ever put together. And um, typically, I do something totally different on the road. But I'm going to be bringing stuff that has never been seen outside of my Las Vegas show to Canada. And uh, and the reason I'm able to do that is because I'm working on completely revamping my show in Vegas and doing some really new and innovative things that I've never done that actually I don't think anybody's ever seen before in uh, in any ventriloquism show, especially. But you're going to see tons of great impressions of singers and um, and and lots of fun characters that you're just going to fall in love with. And you will laugh. And if you just need to get away from the realities and the difficulties of life and just laugh for a little while 
this is the way to do it. You're going to leave feeling high for about a week uh, on just the laughter. It's really fun. Before we let you go, do you have one of your friends with you now? I do. I have Winston the impersonating turtle. Winston, you want to talk to him? Yeah, what's wrong? It's a little early. I, I know, I know it's early, but but uh, are you are you excited about coming to Canada? Yeah, I'm very excited, but it's going to be in November, and I'm a turtle, so you know I'm I'm a cold blooded animal. But you, you'll keep me warm, won't you, Terry? You well, yeah. We'll, I'm sure there's some people up there in Canada that keep you warm. Okay, I can't wait to get there, and I can't wait to see all you folks up there. Are you are you leaving now, Winston? Like uh, it's probably going to take you a while to get here. Yeah, well, you know, it takes me a whole long time just to cross Las Vegas Boulevard here in Las Vegas. But but uh, luckily, Terry will have me uh, with him, and I'll get to fly up there. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, when, you know what they say, when turtles fly. That's not what they say. When, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, what a pleasure to meet you over the phone like this. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to the shows in November. Oh, thank you so much. It's going to be so exciting. I love Canada. Club Region Event Center, Sunday, November 19th. Two shows. Terry Fader, the world-famous ventriloquist singer, does impressions. And there's going to be uh, a number of celebrity guests, including Elton John, David Bowie, Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr., to name a few. Yeah, Bruce the Parrothead, obviously a huge fan of the now late, great Jimmy Buffett. Uh, Bruce telling us that Terry Fader did a nice tribute to Jimmy Buffett recently, put a smile on this parrot head's face at a sad time. So you can look that up on YouTube if you want to see it.